This morning we're going to be looking at the resurrection of Jesus. And when you ask the question, who is Jesus, the resurrection is just top billing. That Jesus Christ is alive. That he is raised from the dead. That he is reigning at the right hand. But I'd like to start by describing what it's like. It's, uh, it's like the power going out in the middle of something very significant. The power just goes out and it never comes back on. But it's worse than that. It's like a gift that somebody is not here anymore to be able to give. And the gift is ungiven. It's like the end of relationship. It's like the end of real life. It's the end of hope. I'll tell you what it is. It is the dry, dusty finality of the tomb with the stone still sealing the entrance. Because all of our hopes... And all of our dreams and all of the meaning of life that we can derive and even heaven itself comes down to this. It comes down to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? John eleven twenty five and 26. Here's who Jesus said he was and is. I am the resurrection and the life. He who dies and believes in me will live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked his disciples, do you believe this? The resurrection, Jesus took our sins that we carry on our shoulders before a holy God, that God, because he's three times holy, must and will deal with every single one of them. And none of us can get out from under all of our sins by our good works. We can't even know how to say we're sorry enough and we cannot change the selfishness in our hearts. So Jesus took our sin upon him. He died on the cross and God carried out on Jesus the punishment that we deserved such that there is not one drop of judgment or wrath left in the cup of God's judgment. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant that it was fully assuaged, the wrath of God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've put your trust in what Christ has done on the cross, then you are not judged by God anymore. You are received by God. Isn't that beautiful? But I'm going to tell you something. That means nothing without the resurrection. All the things I just described have have no meaning in the real world if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead. Because without the resurrection, Jesus Christ is simply one more dead prophet. It's like the lights have gone out in the middle of something that looks significant and they never came back on. And it's over. Without the resurrection, we have no forgiveness. We have no new life in God. We don't have any expectation that we will be with God in heaven because He's not there. 
He's just simply dead in the tomb. He's not there to be able to give us life. So we don't have it. 1 Corinthians 15, 7 If you'd like to turn there, 1 Corinthians 15 is a big chapter on the resurrection. talks about how pathetic we are, what idiots we are, and all the babbling and all the churches and all the stuff going on for no count. Counterproductive in this world if the resurrection is not true. 1 Corinthians 15, 7, If Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You hear it? You're stupid. You're putting your trust in a pipe dream and you're still in your sins. Verse 16, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. That means none of your people who've put their trust in Jesus who went before you are actually in heaven either. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Pitiful. Foolish. It all hinges on Jesus' words, I am the resurrection and the life, being true. And the resurrection actually occurring, and and this morning, what that means to us. Because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And I'd like to for you to turn to John 20, verses 1 through 18. I want to read the first part of the passage, and then I want, kind of want to tell and read the, the last third of the passage and look at what the resurrection means and can mean to us. It's kind of an Easter passage, you know. John 21, early on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went out to the tomb... And she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. That's John, identified later, the writer of this. And she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over. He looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed And I want you to just notice, if you're looking at the text, this little bracket, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. I mean, we read the Easter narrative, you know, because it is about the resurrection, and it's hard for us to go back and to see and to really understand how they're grappling with the meaning of the resurrection. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now, here's what I want us to focus on this morning. It is... Verse 10, where it says the disciples had gone back to their homes. They just went back to start over and try to piece together their their shattered worlds, you know, that they'd been with Jesus for three years. He was crucified, and now they don't know where his body is. They've gone home, but not Mary. Mary Magdalene, the, the woman out of whom Jesus had driven seven evil spirits. 
The woman who in one moment quit being a tortured soul and became a soul that rested and loved God with all her heart and and she walked with Him and she was a part of that entourage and she stays at that tomb and she is weeping and she is grieving and we just can't get into the, the grief of Mary Magdalene. And through the tears, Mary Magdalene stoops over looks into the tomb, verse 11, and as she wept, she bent over, looked into the tomb, and there she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. Too bad those guys left, you know? This is where, this is where it's about to happen. We're about to have contact, you know, of the risen Christ. Two angels dressed in white, they ask her woman, why are you crying? You know, they, they understood. They knew Jesus was raised from the dead. The angels did. Why are you crying? She said, they have taken my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. Please understand, back in those days, there was family members or friends. It was a very tender and, and caring and loving thing to prepare a body, to embalm a body after the body had died. And it was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and some others who had just carefully taken care of Jesus' body. And so now she's come back to the tomb to to take care of the body some more, and it's gone. She's not only grieving, she feels kind of not responsible for it leaving, but, but this was her loving service that she was trying to give Jesus. They've taken my Lord away. I don't know where they've laid him, where they've put him. And then suddenly she has that sense that all of us have in our own lives. She senses that somebody is, else is there. You know how you kind of just sense somebody's behind you sometimes? And you look? <laughs> well, that's what happened here. She looks behind her, and there stands the risen Christ. But she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he is the caretaker of the cemetery. She thinks he's the gardener. Um, we don't know if maybe because his resurrection body was a little different yet similar. We don't know if it's because she's crying so much, a combination. We don't know. Jesus says, verse 15, woman, Why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, just tell me where you've put him and I will go get his body. I will go take care of his body. And then comes the moment of realization that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. Verse 16. It's so beautiful. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. Now look, didn't say it is I. For almost three years, she had heard that same voice. She had sat down one-on-one, I'm sure, with Jesus who had become a dear friend of hers. She was one of the the followers, kind of disciples of Jesus. She had heard Jesus say, and just as loving a voice, I'm sure many times, Mary. And when he said Mary, she knew exactly who it was. 
And it says that she turned toward him and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, teacher, you're, you're him, you're back. Your you're teacher, you are here. And what does Mary do? I mean, this is so wonderful, you know. She immediately just throws her arms around Jesus. You're back. And she lunges to him and she latches on to him. And I mean, how we can't get into the, 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 the joy and the tears and the emotion and the relief and all this that, you know, she's just processing incredible amounts of, of emotion and love and, and, and surprise. And I, I kind of build that up because it's at this moment that something very unexpected happens. You know, if, if, the, if the Bible's not, like, not true and you were like just writing on it, you would never write this part into it. If you were writing it, you would say, and, and she hugged him and held on to him, and he said, yes, it is I, and he hugged her back. And finally, after a long hug and, and many assurances, he finally interrupted her in her emotional processing, which sometimes for females can take a little time. Um, f- he then said, let us now go back to my disciples and tell them that I am risen. That's not what he says. Rabboni, teacher, she grabs onto him. She's holding him and he says, don't hold me. Well, not like that, though. (laughs) Verse 17. Don't hold on to me. Literally, don't cling to me. I don't know about you. But, you know, that seems a little bit cold if you don't know what he's saying after such a painful separation and a surprising reunion. But if you do know what he's saying... These are wonderful words. And I'm going to tell you, folks, they have everything to do with you and your relationship. If you've put your trust in Jesus with this risen Christ, don't hold on to me. Now, look, it's not that Jesus doesn't want Mary to touch him. You know how we know that? Because Jesus appeared to his disciples and different times and places and there was one particular disciple named thomas and what did he tell thomas touch me (laughs) put your fingers in the nail hole put your hand in my side and believe thomas see for yourself so it's not that jesus doesn't want mary to touch him and then all these weird theories the best i can put it in modern language is like somehow jesus had was kind of like he was in the transporter room on star trek and wasn't completely materialized yet or something i don't know what all that's about you know don't like don't hold on to me the process isn't finished you know just just leave star trek out you know let's just read the bible you know he's raised from the dead (laughs) no that that's not it that's not it at all Mary, of course, is filled with joy. Of course, filled with incredible emotion. Of course, she's clinging to him. And what what do you think is going on in Mary's mind? You're back. Oh, I I was so afraid. The lights went off. And I just knew after all the promises, all the power, all the miracles, that I just, I was so confused. I couldn't imagine that the lights were just going to stay off forever. Yeah, 
glad you're back. Now we can go back to normal life. Where, where I'm with you. And we're all together. And, and we're, 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 we're bringing the kingdom forward. This is what this don't hold on to me is about. It's about the fact that the old way of doing things is gone. That the resurrection is about newness. And something new and powerful and greater that is breaking loose right there out of the empty tomb. We're not going back. Jesus basically says no to all that. Don't hold on to me. It's not going to be like it used to be. Now, the resurrection is about the fact that Jesus is alive. It is about the fact that the lights came back on and that Jesus is there to give the gift of eternal life. He's there to give the gift of intimacy and guidance by the Holy Spirit. He's there to give... Uh, help in our lives as to as to how we you know function and live to to glorify him the the very best way that a human being can live in a fallen world i mean no kidding it's about that but here's the thing the resurrection of jesus christ is more than that it's more than you think it is it's more than i think it is because the resurrection of jesus christ is about newness It's about the fact that even now, I'm talking about now in this service, that God is and will be doing fresh movement, fresh work, wants to bring fresh power to accomplish His purposes through you now. The resurrection says it is all new. It's all new. It's not just about reunion, kind of we're going to go back. The resurrection is about what's about to happen next. Look ahead in the text if you've got it open. What's about to happen next? Don't hold on to me. Something's about to happen. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. What's about to happen next is the ascension of Jesus Christ, Him sitting at the right hand of the Father and reigning over all and empowering His kingdom to go forward in ways that these people could have only dreamt about while they were walking around Galilee and Judea with him. Do not hold on to me because I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. It's different now. Don't hold on to me. It's better now. I'm going to ascend. Turn to John 14, 12. It's the last place I'd like for you to... If you've got a Bible, I want you to see it. This is, this is one of those passages that people pull out a lot to actually say things and justify things that the text isn't talking about. <laughs> John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Wow. I mean, this is about real power, real kingdom advance, 
Anybody who has faith in me will do what I've been doing and will do even greater things than these. Why? That's where pe- people act like there's a period there. There's not a period there. Keep, keep reading with me. We'll do even greater things because I am going to my Father. Because I'm ascending and I'm going to reign and I have a plan and it's new and it's powerful and it's through you. Don't cling to me. Go tell them. I'm about to ascend to my Father. Now, you say, great. Love the resurrection. Thumbs up for the, I mean, the ascension and the resurrection. Thumbs up for that. What's your point? Here's the point. That's not the way we think about the resurrection. You and I primarily think about the resurrection in terms of confirming what we need. Lights went off. Woo, lights went back on. Reconnect. Now we're loved again. Now we got forgiveness again. Now we got the presence of God again. Ooh, Jesus is here. He gave me the gift. My own personal Jesus gave me the gift of eternal life. And so the resurrection, and, and rightly so, by the way, becomes about all I need from Jesus, He lives to give me. That's true. That's, uh, by the way, I'm not saying that's bad. It's just more than that, you see. But see, the, the resurrection is not, if you want to write something down, this would be it. The resurrection's not just about what you need and want from Jesus. The resurrection is also about what Jesus wants as reigning Christ through you. Did you catch that? It's not just what you want. He's happy to give it. The resurrection is what he wants as well. We don't just get Jesus back in the resurrection to lead us forward. We get him back in the resurrection. We're able to connect with him so that he can lead us with fresh power, with his will that is beyond what we would have thought for ourselves. We basically get Jesus' vision for the kingdom and his vision for our part in the kingdom and in relationships that speak of the gospel in our lives. It's more than just restoring the cord of life with Jesus. Now, some of you, as we prayed earlier after that beautiful song, some of your earthly hopes have just been crucified sealed in a tomb, dark relationships that are lost, relationships that are being lost right now, businesses that are sputtering, that are teetering, some that are gone, income that no longer exists. Cancer that you don't have control over. I mean, all these deep and difficult issues that you and I simply cannot control. 
And, and for those of us who go, yeah, you're not talking about me yet, then you're the, you're the part of the congregation that's worried sick that that's going to happen to you. Maybe what we need to focus on is the resurrection. We need to focus on the cross. Don't get me wrong. Don't ever not focus on the cross. But maybe we need some focus on the resurrection because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Maybe we need to focus on the resurrection because in the resurrection, He does ever live to give you all that you need for life and godliness. And we can not only believe in the resurrection, but we can literally live out of the resources of a relationship with God through the resurrection. But maybe, and particularly if you're, you're some of those who are just absolutely shattered, what I'm about to say might even come easier to you than the others. Maybe we need to look at the resurrection not just to know yet again that all we need comes from Him and our connection because He lives, but maybe we need to look at it and look into this idea of the next fresh phase of your life. Maybe it's time to quit looking at your life simply in terms of what it has been and the way it feels. And to look again to the throne of God where Jesus sits at the right hand and say, Jesus, what do you want it to be? That's exciting. Designed by Him, empowered by the One who reigns because He's resurrected and descended. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that You have risen from the dead and that You ever live as prophet, priest, and king, to give all that is necessary for our lives. Lord, we we can't live the life that is truly life outside of you and a relationship with you. But Lord, even as we pray for the persecuted church, we just got a taste of maybe ways you want to work that we're not prepared for, that we wouldn't necessarily want it to be that way. But would you give us just a sense of what do you want to do in my life, Lord Jesus? Open me not only to see all that I have in you and to live out of that, but open me to see what it is that you might have for me at this particular phase. Lord, we know that When you said all these words, and in that early church, that that prophecy in John 12, 14 came true, that even greater numbers of people turned to you through ordinary folks who opened themselves to your leadership and power than who came to you while you were here. Would you be pleased to not only minister to to hurting and broken souls today, but to open hearts with fresh faith. And would you be pleased to use even us and Highlands Presbyterian Church? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.